The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gowler? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 71, brought to you by the Five Book at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, filling in for John Stolness during this stretch of near daily training camp updates. As always, I'm joined by the supreme leader of the best Eagles website this side of the Milky Way, Brandon Lee Gowton. May you reign forever, BLG. How you doing, brother? Mike, I'm doing excellent. I am so excited <laughs> to be here. Someone complained in the iTunes reviews that uh, I guess we don't show enough excitement, so I just really just wanted to come on. <laughs> Strong and just bring a ton of energy at the start of the podcast. And we really got to represent this city by being belligerent is how I took that. Accurate. <laughs> so two practices to cover today. Uh, the first one from Sunday night, which was the first and only one uh, open to the public. First thing I want to ask, man, how is the reception for the return of Deshaun Jackson from the 40,000 Philly faithful? It was big, as you would expect. Uh, we we kind of already got a tease of this back when Deshaun uh, was at a Sixers game shortly after he got traded back to the Eagles uh, in March. So we'd kind of already seen this. And, you know, you would expect that it would be a love fest for Deshaun. Uh, a, a lot of 10 jerseys in the stands, people breaking those back out. He seemed to really enjoy himself there, having the, the fans really take a warm reception to him. So that was cool to see. Easily got the biggest ovation of the night. What did you feel about the atmosphere overall? Because I remember the atmosphere last year, just seeing the clips and the, the constant chants and everything like that. And that, that was, you know, obviously coming off of a Super Bowl year. How did that atmosphere compare to last year? It was a little more docile other than the dude that was uh, rubbing his nipples in front of Jimmy Kemsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy was intense, man. Uh, I think he, he, I think he was definitely having fun. He might have been uh, imbibing a little much. <laughs> yeah. Don't know for sure. Just guessing. But um, yeah, the energy obviously wasn't the same as it was last year when the Eagles were coming off the Super Bowl win. And there was like dueling Eagles chants all around the stadium. And uh, it was just like a really incredible atmosphere. But it was still good. Fans are pretty into it. I think for the most part, people really like to see Deshaun. So, and then Carson actually being able to practice this year kind of helps too. He didn't practice in last year years open practice um, neither did Nick Foles the first one so it was Sudfeld running the show last year and even still the energy was great but uh yeah it was fine it was fine so I want to get to some downer injury reports but before we do that let's continue on the positive track here for 
for a moment. We'll dial back on Deshaun. Uh, we have talked about several times the budding relationship between Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson. What's the status update on their current trajectory since we last spoke? I'm assuming from what I'm seeing from the timeline, they, they are, they're still lighting it up together. It's looking real good, Mike. Talking about excitement, I mean, this is one of the biggest reasons I think Eagles fans in general, my, and then myself included, are just so excited about this season to have. Like, Deshaun is the exact kind of player this team was lacking last year in terms of someone who could make a big play and get yards and do something explosive as opposed to making offense look painful and hard to move the ball down the field all the time like they did in 2018. So Deshaun is just like the solution for that. And one of the the, the, the coolest things he did to me last night was not just his deep uh, reception that it was for about like 60 yards down the field when Carson ran out to his right and just like chucked it deep and Deshaun was kind of waiting back there with his you know facing the line of scrimmage but he tracked it well and he made the play um where the defense kind of got lost on him but it wasn't that and and to say that you know is kind of impressive yeah. that that's not even his most impressive play to me was where you see him run a comeback and it's like the defensive back just doesn't stand a chance because how can the defensive back possibly play Deshaun on the comeback because if he does and he guesses wrong well guess what like Deshaun's gone like and he's just going to be streaking down the field for an easy touchdown so it feels like you know with that space defenders really have to give Deshaun to respect him it's like those comebacks are going to be there all day so I think we're going to see that a lot this season uh, where it's just like Deshaun looks like he's going deep oh but he comes back real quick uh, really crisp route Carson Wentz hits him timing is perfect 20 yard gain it's like free yards basically like it's it's so hard to stop like how can you possibly stop that again if you're going to try to cheat up on Deshaun eventually one of those times he's just not going to come back and he's just going to be running wide open down the field so uh, that's just exciting to see yeah and that's something that the analytics back up to we've talked about it before where Deshaun is getting one of the biggest cushions on average in the league for any wide receiver that's according to next gen stats and he's so good at attacking that cushion getting upfield vertically stepping on toes threatening guys to make them turn and then on that comeback route like I can I didn't I wasn't there I didn't see it but in my head I, I was was it against Rasul Douglas? Was that the guy he ran the comeback on? Uh, it might have been. He definitely okay. burned uh, Rasul later on. Whoever it was, all I can see in my head is him threatening deep, getting the DB to turn, and then like when he gets to like 16, 17 yards, like he starts to sneak into that blind spot. Now the DB is like, where is he? And you know he's already broken off the route. He's very, very good at that stuff. So like we said, not just excited about the deep ball. The intermediate pass is going to be there. There's going to be a ton of free yards that they wanted in the short game with him as well. He's going to open things up underneath for this offense so plenty of reason to be excited about Deshaun coming into this year now let's get to another quarterback here because we talked about the relationship between Deshaun and Wentz but let's talk about the backup quarterback situation because you wanted to give some praise to Nate Sudfeld how is the backup quarterback doing in camp to this point is it because he's been a little inconsistent has he been a little more steady lately well the haters and losers Mike are out here trying to say that I am not you know oh BLG's not as uh, high on Nate Sudfeld this year now that Nick Foles has gone wrong. I've been saying that Nate Sudfeld has been very up and down this entire training camp. And I'm being very adversarial on the podcast uh, today, Mike, as you can tell. Apologies, yeah, I guess. I don't know what's wrong with me. I set it up for you this morning when I kind of came at you for something that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> That's fair. It's also day 10 of training camp. So I'm probably kind of just losing my mind at this point slowly. Uh, where were we? I can't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> Nate Studfeld. Let's talk about him. Okay, yeah. So Nate Studfeld recently 
definitely been more consistent. And I think I kind of touched on it on the podcast we had done on Saturday, but he keeps stacking like good practices. That's something you hear the coaches and the players talk about hoping to do kind of just, you know, turn in a good practice after another and keep building on that. Mm-hmm. And after kind of being up and down for a lot of practices this offseason, uh, even going back to spring practices and OTAs, Nate Sudfeld recently has looked like a lot better to me. He looks more comfortable. Uh, the ball is accurate. He again, I've said it before, like he's especially effective in the red zone to me. He just seems like decisive, throwing the ball around the field with accuracy. So really liked what I saw out of Sudfeld recently. And again, that's kind of one of the big things we'll all be watching to see in the preseason is can he carry that over? Can he continue to be consistent? And I'm feeling good about him right now. Well, that is good to hear because consistency is definitely one of his issues. Not only that, you you know, you mentioned the decisiveness, you know, getting it out quick, making the read, getting it out. That's been a problem for him as well, a big area for improvement. It's good to see that he's improving in that area so far in camp. Okay, let's get to the downer stuff, man. Injuries. Camus Grugier-Hill, grade three MCL sprain is what I'm seeing. BLG jinxed it. That's why we hate him here. Also, Joe Osman, what's the news on the injury front, BLG? Because it's it's getting a little depressing for me. Yeah, so Kamu seemed pretty uh, upbeat about his situation. Yeah. And he said he thinks he shouldn't be out too long. The report from Mike Garofalo was, what, six to eight weeks? By the time that report came out, we were just like a little under six weeks away. So I'm guessing he's going to at least miss a game or two in this early in the season, which is a bummer. And I guess part of the thing that kind of worries me about this injury, too, is like, it's not like he's magically healed and Madden, you know, when he comes back after those six to eight weeks, like how much is that injury going to, you know, linger or kind of impact right. him? Because he, he was looking so good. What if he comes back and he's able to play, but he's not looking quite as good as he was because he's still, you know, has feeling the effects of that injury. So that's kind of a bummer in a lot of respects because Kamu is having a very good camp. He's going to be a free agent after this year. So, you know, he's kind of in a, a situation like where he needs to play and look good this year in order to get that next contract. And then it kind of puts this team uh, with a like a nebulous situation, I guess, a little bit at linebacker. It's like, OK, now what um, when he's gone? And the Eagles have kind of experimented with some of the looks in practice when Kamu has been out uh, on Sunday night, which is the first practice since the Kamu injury. The Eagles had Nate Gary and uh, Zach Brown as their two linebackers in nickel. And now, again, it's worth noting that Nigel Bradham isn't doing team drills yet. So obviously he would be in there for one of those guys. I guess right. it would be Gary, but, you know, they might mix some match. So. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> uh, but then today in on Monday's practice, the Eagles had LJ Fort as a middle linebacker in base with Gary and Zach Brown on the outside. But then when the Eagles went to nickel, <laughs> Fort came off the field. And then again, it was Gary and uh, Zach Brown, although... A little bit later in practice, it was a nickel situation with the first team defense where it was Fort and Gary. So uh, the coaching staff likes Gary, even if you don't, Mike. Uh, they really like his um, mental ability. It seems like that's something they really talk up about him. That's crazy because uh, he's a bit. Of, he was a bit of a space cadet last year, so maybe he is definitely starting to kick butt in the film room. That would be great for him. Yeah, Jim Schwartz. Uh, Eagles linebacker coach Ken Flagelli have both kind of talked him up in that regard, even some of his teammates a little bit. So uh, it seems like they have some kind of trust in him, like the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely making the team. There's some kind of people who, like I, I put out that 53-man roster on BleedingGreenNation.com last week, and some people are like, oh, Gary's not even going to make the team. I No, I don't think that's like true at all. I think he's a lock. Okay. It's kind of like figuring it out, what what's going to go on there. Um, It's concerning, considering like Bradham isn't back. We think he'll be ready for week one, but you know we don't officially know that just yet because he hasn't returned yet so hopefully he'll be back and hopefully you can get Kamu back if not like week two or you know some point in September and you know it's not like 
I think linebacker is going to kill this team. It's not, I don't think it's like the death knell factor for this team, but hopefully you can kind of get things right there. Yeah, I don't see it as a situation like I remember the the playoff game against uh, Minnesota where the first drive, the Eagles had all sorts of communication issues and Danell Ellerby had joined the team late and, you know, he's in there and blows a coverage and the Vikings score and then eventually they settle in and everything's fine and whatnot. Like, I don't see it as a situation where they're just going to go in blind. They've got depth on this team. If it's not special, that's fine. They've got a lot of the same type guys. Like, LJ Ford's going to come in and he could be solid. Like, even the guy like TJ Edwards who shined a rookie minicamp, like, who's to say he can't come in and just be, like, decent and then we can kind of cover up for him in the coverage downs with somebody like a Nate Gary if he is having, you know, that type of offseason for him. So it is definitely, like you said, not the death knell, but it is concerning because Camus was just going to be, for me, I mean, he was a standout guy for me and uh, hopefully he gets back on the field and is healthy when he gets back on the field, doesn't re-aggravate anything or re-injure anything. That would be big for the defense as well to get him out there because I think he's I think he's clearly having one of the best camps on this team. So we hope to get him back soon. And with Osman, uh, they're still evaluating the knee from what I know. With the news about him, it does does make me a little more concerned about the defensive end depth and recently one of ESPN's bold predictions was that the Eagles would trade for a pass rusher do you think that's still on the table because personally I wouldn't be shocked and I don't necessarily want fourth round rookie Sharif Miller taking meaningful snaps yet I think he's about an offseason program away from being an effective pass rusher but you have to find the right player at the right price and you still have Vinny Curry and you have Josh Sweat how do you think this thing shakes out ultimately, BLG? Yeah, it didn't seem really positive. You know, Osman went down on Sunday night. Uh, the curse of Stuart Bradley, apparently, you know, like that that turf oh. monster haunting the white guy playing well in, in training camp, just like he did with Stuart Bradley years ago at Eagles Fight Night. Uh, Osman, that, yeah. yeah, Osman was the next victim of that curse, apparently. It didn't look good just because he was getting carted off and uh, he was holding his knee. And a lot of teammates, including Carson Wentz, and, and basically like the whole defensive line came up to him and were like saying, you know, giving him a high five and trying to encourage him as he was going off the field. So it doesn't really feel like something minor, you know, if you see all that. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's not as bad as it could be with him. You know, we're hoping the best for Joe Osman. But, I mean, it's 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 just a bummer because, you know, like we were we've been concerned about the Eagles defensive and depth on this podcast. And I think collectively kind of as a fan base this entire offseason. And I'm not so sure that like you you like I think Osman could have been this team's fourth defensive end. Like when you think about it, you know they're not giving Josh Sweat first team reps to kind of create a role for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Sweat has looked bad, but like Osman's looked pretty good. So and at worst he was your fifth defensive end. So right. I think losing him it hurts the depth there. And we all know the Eagles want to rotate again. Your your starters are intact with Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Vinnie Curry, and then even if you want to put Josh Sweat as your fourth guy. So it's, again, it's not like this, like just devastating injury, but you know, all of a sudden, if you lose one of those top guys, well then like now you don't have Ospin to help fill out the rotation. And yeah, you might have to count on a Sharif Miller who might not really be ready for that role in year one. You know, there's more pressure on him now to really step up. That's just a bummer because uh, even from a special teams angle, I think Osman was like going to be kind of like a Brayman in that mold of just like crazy guy who will do anything mm-hmm. on special teams. So kind of hurts that. It hurts the defensive end depth. Uh, really hope the injury isn't as bad as it could be with him, but we'll wait and see on that. So when we come back, we're going to find out why BLG is so combative this morning with everyone. And <laughs> that and more coming up next here on BGN Radio. We'll be right back. And we are back on BGN Radio, episode 71, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gout. Look, BLG, let, let's get to it. I'm going to kick back on you a little here for something that you noted. You said that Miles Sanders 
had a Shady-esque jump cut to get in the end zone on Sunday night. I then saw others like add on in a continuation of the Shady comp. This wasn't new, but someone said that there was like Shady in his prime, which is like wild to me. And look, here's the thing. I saw the jump cut. It was perfectly fine. And that's one of Miles Sanders' strengths. Like he's like, I, I said it before coming into the pre-draft process, like plenty of, of strength in his lower body and, and quickness to be able to scoot from A gap to A gap and, and, and chain together moves or whatnot. Like that's a good part of his game. And, and it really isn't just an issue with Sanders or those that cover the Eagles. People overall are very quick, too quick in my opinion, to comp anybody with any kind of plus lateral agility to Shady. And the fact is... LaShawn McCoy is rare. He's got rare movement skills. And maybe I'm nitpicking here, but comps often do come with unfair, usually unintended expectations. And McCoy has had a very long, successful career. So I'd ask you to clarify that a little. And then I'll also ask you if you agree with Jimmy Kemsky when he says that, quote, he's the best running back on the team. Talking about Sanders here, period. And it isn't close, unquote. BLG, what say you? Well, I mean, this is coming from the guy, again, who thinks... Clayton Thorson is the next Peyton Manning. So, uh, correct. Uh, very fair of you to say that, you know, it's not fair to put expectations of Miles Sanders. I will stand by my Miles Sanders thing. I think part of it, Mike, is that Eagles fans feel starved for that kind of running back. Like, we haven't had that guy in too long. Like, we've, we've had to deal with Wendell Smallwood, who, as you phrased, has the lateral agility of a dump truck. And to see, like, anyone who can kind of make a move, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, that reminds me of Shady. Because it does. Like, it makes me think of, oh, look, that's a guy who can actually, like, make a defender miss. The Eagles have not had that. Other than, like, you know, Jay Ajayi for a little bit. And, you know, he wasn't, like, a full part of the offense because he was still learning. And then he was hurt last year. So, like, you know, that was a short-lived kind of thing there. Yeah, and he was an effective running back. But he wasn't, like, the flashy type style. He was was a little more physical, right? And we knew he wasn't probably going to be here for the long term anyway. So it's hard to, like, get super excited about that as opposed to, you know, you draft Miles Sanders. He's this homegrown talent. He was literally taken with the pick that the same pick spot that LaShawn McCoy was for the Eagles years ago. Um, You know, it's, it it just kind of adds to that. So, but I do agree with Jimmy and I, I, like best is kind of like, that's kind of vague. I guess I I think you can clearly say like, he's the most talented, like that shouldn't be like, you can just see the talent is apparent. When I tweeted about this today and kind of kicked back on the McCoy comp, I did say that I believe he has the most potential because number one, I think Jordan Howard is pedestrian. Number two, Darren Sproles is 36. So it doesn't really set a high bar, but I do think he has a ton of potential. He's just, you know, an inexperienced guy. So to say best right now, I would agree that's a little bit rich, but I I get what he's saying. Yeah. The best thing, I guess, where I kind of look at it and where I would kind of not necessarily disagree, but like I would try to clarify here is that he's not polished by any means. Like, I don't think he's a fully, he's a rookie. He shouldn't be polished. Like he's not, he doesn't have seasoning. Um, And that kind of showed up today where I think he had at least one or two drops. And, you know, I've, I've talked about that. Like he doesn't have this exper- extensive experience as a pass catcher, even though he projects and profiles as a guy who can contribute in the passing game. That's just something he. I think he'll get better with with time. And uh, it seems like I haven't specifically seen him in a ton of pass protection drills yet. I know Jimmy has kind of watched that a little bit more. He said he's looked good in that area. I trust him on that. 
But we still need to see how Miles Sanders is with ball security too. Like that's one of the other questions mm-hmm. with him. And that's something we will see in the preseason and the regular season. You can just see, Mike, like when he's out there running, I don't even need to look at the number. I can tell who it is because it's just this guy is like dynamic. Um, he just glides really too. Like that's something I feel like that kind of gets overused yeah. sometimes. But it's true. Like you see it with him. Like he he moves like so effortlessly. And I guess that's kind of another shady thing. Like you just see him. He's just so much more clearly, just more dynamic. And he's so much more threatening, I would put, than the other running backs on this team. So definitely excited about Miles Sanders. Just kind of want to see like, okay, he's looking good in practice. Now let's see how he looks in the preseason game. You know, when the action is live and he's going to get tackled. And he's already had some injury issues in terms of getting banged up. So like, let's see his durability. I'm I'm excited about him. I'm not trying to temper anyone's excitement about him either. Like, like you should be excited about him. I just want to see a little bit more, you know, before I'm like, all right, this guy, thousand yard rusher as a rookie. Yeah, and at the same time, when he doesn't put up two consecutive 100 yard games to start the season, we don't need to call him a bust either. Let's be patient with this guy. All right, uh, the the other running back that you wanted to talk about today was Corey Clement, who we really haven't talked about throughout this entire training camp process. Had a great first year, really contributed and came on in the playoffs during the Super Bowl run. The next year was not so great. May have put on some weight, lost a little bit of a burst. Maybe he was dealing with a thigh injury or something was going on with him to where he looked like a completely different back. How is he looking this year? Yeah, so I don't think he's done 11 on 11 until today. And now there was no pads on. It was a light day. So, you know, just note that. Um, But he looked good. He looked healthy. Like that was my big takeaway with him. He had a run up the middle. And again, the defense really can't even pop him in today's setting. But still, like you could just see like he looked, he had a burst to him. He did not look hampered or slow. And then even on the final play of practice, he had a reception over the middle. And again, just looked like quick and dynamic out there. So that was good to see. He might even look like a little bit more quicker than I remember Corey Mm -hmm. looking uh, a little bit more bursty. So um, that could just be that I haven't watched him in so long. Or it could be that, you know, he maybe is a little bit more to his game than he used to, uh, which would be great. Just encouraged to see that. You know, it's just one practice. Not trying to – we still need, really need to see him, you know, progress in the preseason. And, and even if he even plays, we don't know exactly where that's at. But just to see him looking healthy, like that's a good sign to me. Yeah, and I really think he may have been banged up last year because I felt like he regressed in a lot of different areas in his game, not just with the athletic stuff, but with the mental processing stuff, with the blocking, which was an issue for the Eagles last year. So if he can get back on track and show that he wasn't just a flash in the pan, that would be great for the offense as well. Can never have too many great running backs, as the uh, Eagles know from last year after we went through so many. Uh, Look, and the most important factor in the running game performance is the offensive line. And last year, football outsiders ranked the Eagles around average for adjusted line yards, below average for their quote-unquote stuffed ranking, which is the percentage of runs where the running back is tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. It is of note that three of the five offensive linemen, Kelsey, Peters, and Lane, were all playing through very significant injuries throughout the season. Kelsey had like a, a ton of them. How are things looking in the trenches for the Eagles so far? Are they taking care of business against this tough Eagles front? They seem to be, you know, for as much as you can gather out of training camp. Like, I haven't noticed any huge issues. Even with Big B, I don't, like, see him getting, like, just destroyed or blown up a ton. Uh, it's kind of hard, I guess, to gauge for me, you know, just seeing in the practice setting and you don't really always get the best view or the best angle because, you know, you might be watching from an angle that doesn't really allow you to see exactly what's going on in addition to it's, trying. It's tough. I've, I haven't been to like the Eagles training camp practices, but I've been to like Mobile and Shrine game practices like the All-Stars. If you don't have the right seat for offensive line play, it is kind of it's kind of hard to see. 
Yeah, so basically my thing here is like, let's see how they look. And even in the preseason, you're not going to get, you know, the best gauge because they won't be out there for super long. But like, I'll phrase it like I haven't seen anything that makes me super nervous. I feel encouraged, you know, with Brandon Brooks not being on the PUP list and thinking he'll be back, if not week one, pretty early in the season, Mm -hmm. you know. So then that kind of eliminates some of the big B worry. Even if he's not looking great, hopefully he doesn't have to play too long, if much at all. Everyone else, I think, seems to be pretty good. So, BLG, moving on from that, I want to go back to the defense, and I want you to inject this right into my veins. You said, quote, Sidney Jones logged two pass breakups on Wentz throws while covering tight ends during the final 11-on-11 series, unquote. I don't think it's unfair to say at this point that he is a one-for-one comparison with Deion Sanders. What say you? I think that's fair. Uh, I think I was too harsh on him before, and I think uh, to overcorrect on me being too harsh, I think he, I have to say, he is now Deion Sanders. Beautiful. All is forgiven. I'm forgiving myself uh, for everyone else, so thank you, everyone else, um, for allowing me to do that. Sydney's looking good, man. Same thing, basically. I mean, really, all the corners. Avante has had kind of, not like a a bad camp, kind of a little bit more of a quiet camp compared to the spring, but recently... I thought he's looked good, especially in those red zone drills, too. Had a couple breakups to Deshaun and some other guys, too. So I just I like what I'm seeing out of those guys. You know, it's it's basically the same thing I've said all camp. Like, they're, they're flying around. They're making plays. You like to see it. And look, Avante didn't have the greatest camp last year. I remember some critiques coming about him during that process while he was learning. And he ended up having a great season. So I know he's learning a lot of different positions. And he's switching between nickel and outside corner. Might play some safety. So he seems to me like a gamer that he's going to be fine. What about another guy that's getting some safety reps or some, I guess, technically there would be linebacker reps, I'm I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, Sippy Cup, Jonathan Cyprian, the newcomer to the Eagles. One of my favorite offseason additions. How's he doing so far in green? Yeah, I think you called him what the next uh what was it um ronnie lot yeah ronnie lot that's who i was thinking of or brian dawkins even yeah i think i think it was it was those were the comparisons for him no mike he has been lining up on the back end really with the second team today i saw him across from trey sullivan so it was with the sullivan and sippy cup as the backup safeties and i don't think i saw him make too much in in the sense of uh, making plays today but on sunday evening at the link he did force a fumble on a short Josh Adams catch in the flat. And, uh, you know, you don't see too many fumbles in camp because, you know, there's really no real, no real tackling uh, most right. of the time. But so to see one like that, you know, it stands out for him to make a play like that. I also saw him put a, put a big pop on Boston Scott after Scott had a big run up the middle uh, last night against, uh, I guess it was the third or second team defense. And at the end of the run, you know, down the field, uh, Cyprian came up and kind of just put a, a pop on him. Didn't knock him down, I think, so much, but just, you know, got a little shot in. So you can see, like, he likes to get physical. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and uh, make some contact. So uh, it looks like, you know, the fact that Cyprian's running with the second team already, like the Eagles coaching staff is really like getting him in there and seeing what he can do. And uh, the preseason games will be big for him in terms of trying to get on this roster. BLG, we are days away from the first Eagles preseason game. Is there anything else, anything else you want to add before we get out of here today? I know you and uh, I'm tr- we're trying to set it up this way anyway, that you and John Stolness will get out like the normal regular BGN radio a day early as a preview for this game. Uh, what, are, what are you looking forward to about this thing, BLG? Uh, looking forward to some finally some real action, quote unquote, real action. Um, yeah. More real than training camp at the very right. least. So we'll, we'll get a better gauge on some of these guys. 
I was looking back at some of my preseason coverage from last year because I'm a nerd like that. And uh, I was looking through some of the things I wrote and it's kind of just funny how some of the things you do see are like, yeah, that kind of give, gives us like insight into what it could be in the regular season. And some of the other mm-hmm. things like Shelton Gibson kind of looking good last year also are worthless. So yeah. uh, it's still, but he did make the team. You know, he did do yep. enough last year to make the team. So you, you kind of can take away some things from the preseason. Sometimes he was on the, he was on the bubble and he had to do some things and he did them in preseason and he got on the team and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Say. Especially after having a really bad first year where he couldn't even catch anything. Yeah. By the way, Gibson is hurt now. Uh, he mm-hmm. is still being evaluated. So just side tangent, but just excited to see the team, you know, in action. It'll be fun. We'll have a ton of coverage on bleedinggreendation.com in addition to the podcast feed, as Mike just mentioned. So make sure you subscribe, get all the episodes. Don't miss any. Make sure you leave a rating. Five stars is the only one you can leave. So definitely do that. And also leave a review where you can complain about how we're not bringing enough excitement. And then I will, you know, complain about it to you on the podcast or mock you by pretending to be excited in the open. Uh, so that's fun. Or you can just say something nice. And I'd appreciate that too. It would be good for all of our mental health. Uh, so thank you for listening. <laughs> Rate, review, follow at VGN underscore radio on Twitter to get notices when these shows are dropping into the feed. I'll probably be recording a couple times with uh, Benjamin Solak this week as we ramp up and then also recap the preseason game coming up. Until then, remember, we all we got, we all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. P G N.